All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP Winged Ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep-fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And, of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Into the great wide open. Eight teams remain in the chase for Lord Stanley. Three have never won the Stanley Cup. And the most recent winner among the five who have, the Carolina Hurricanes, back in 2006. Welcome into Daily Faceoff Live. It's a Tuesday, May 2nd edition and Daily Faceoff Live is presented by Botano. Discover Botano.ca, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. The game starts now at Botano. He's former NHL netminder, current Daily Faceoff analyst, Mike McKenna. Mike, how you doing? Man, I'm great. Excited to put a bow on round one and get on to round two here, Frank. Pretty exciting game last night between the Devils and Rangers to finish off this the first round. Was it exciting? I don't know. I mean, the atmosphere was exciting. Well, it's exciting if you're a Devils fan, man. If you're in the building, do you see that? Woo-hoo! The, the game Not itself was uh, was lacking a little bit at times, uh, which, I, in fact, I found this entire Hudson River rivalry, aside from the fan engagement, to be lacking at times in action. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's wrap up Game 7. The New Jersey Devils blanking the New York Rangers by a 4-0 score, Akira Schmid gets the shutout. What a story he was for the Devils. We'll cover 
the round two matchups in net uh, for all eight teams in the blue paint coming up in a bit. But first, what do you make of New Jersey outlasting a New York team that really had so much more to play for? The Devils have arrived. Are they ready to take the next step in round two? Well, we're going to find out, but they sure look like it. The Devils, honestly, that entire series, it really wasn't very close. I understand it went to seven games, but Igor Shosturkin of the Rangers really made it that seven-game series. And with the Devils, I think what you're starting to find is that this is a deep team that plays to an identity, and they've done it for most of the year. That's why they sat atop of the standings. And, you know, you look at how their star players like Hughes and Heischer they fit that team dynamic. They're relentless on the puck. You saw it last night. Um, Andre Palat was an absolute monster for the Devils. And look no further than the takeaways that the Devils created. It was 20-3 to three in favor of New Jersey last night. They were faster. They were hungrier on pucks than the Rangers were. And on top of that, you got John Marino playing the best game of the series. He's kind of under the radar. He didn't have a point all series. He had two assists last night. He's the first guy over the boards in all situations. He's been fantastic on the penalty kill. I think the Devils can actually make some hay here, man. Like, I, I, I picked the Rangers in round one. I was off on that. The Devils look like they're ready. They push back with grit uh, and intensity. They're a pretty well-rounded team, Frank. Yeah, I don't have an arm big enough to pat myself on the back, but I did have the Devils winning in seven games. Uh, finished 5-3 and three in the first round. You were just behind me at 4-4. Four and four. I'm guessing that also means that you're going to pick the Devils next round against the Canes. I did. I took the Devils in five games uh, against the Canes, and I think I've just been negative on the Canes, and that's the reason why. But a lot of that is from what I saw and how the Devils played, Frank. Like, they didn't give the Rangers any room in that series, whether with the puck or after whistles, you name it. Um, feel like they were playing to a pretty high ethos. I mean, look at the statistics on this. Like, just everything on that was favoring the Devils. Now you go up against the Canes, and uh, the one tough thing for the Devils is going to be, can they break through offensively against the Canes? That might be the tough order, especially on the power play. Yeah, and we'll talk about Timo Meyer and that hit. Timo Meyer also finishing the series seven games, not a single point. So hasn't exactly been a seamless transition for Meyer. But let's look at this from the New York Rangers perspective. This is a team that loaded up. A first-round pick for Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, plus what they gave up to get Nico Mikola on the back end. He was out there for one of the game-breaking uh, game seven goals. And then Patrick Kane, who just clearly does not look like himself, uh, looks like he's laboring, seems to me to be destined for off-season hip surgery. But they also gave up what now results in a second round pick since the Rangers did not get to the conference final. It will remain a second round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks. For the second straight year, the Rangers have loaded up and you know dispatched a significant part of their future draft capital. Uh, considering what they spent last year to get to the conference final this year to not win a round, where do the Rangers go from here? It's a great question because it felt like last year the Rangers were ahead of the curve. This was supposed to be the year that they really took the step forward, make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, promised land, all that, and they regressed, and that's after going all in at the deadline. Um, I got a couple worries about this team with the Rangers. First off, I mean, to me, Adam Fox is still the only guy that can move the puck from the back end very well. I mean, there's a lot of Blues fans in St. Louis watching Nico Mikola run all around the defensive zone and going, yep, poor, seen that before. That's why we got rid of him. You know, that's the thought process. So I, I think they need tinkering on the blue line, but I also think they've that the Rangers in general didn't get the depth that they needed to work out in this series. You look at Lafreniere and Kako and Keandre Miller, like these are young players, Frank, but 
they do they have room to grow or, or are they who they are right now that's going to be the fine line for the rangers to, to to have to walk is where are these players in their development can they expect more from them so and then you got the question frank even gerard Gallant, can he push the right buttons to get this team over the top i think it's a real question um they were in the eastern conference final last year and frank you've been on it there's even a little bit of a heat on him already it feels like Oh, there's real heat on him. I wrote a story today on dailyfaceoff.com. Eight burning questions facing the NHL's eight eliminated teams from the first round. And that was the first one on the list. Will Gerard Gallant survive as Rangers head coach? My belief is he won't. Uh, I think even the coaching staff themselves are expecting a coaching change. Um, this It's only two years at the post, but I think sort of his lack of creativity, stubbornness, uh, you know, in-game, in-series adjustments – uh, opponent, opposing staffs watching this Ranger staff work felt like they just didn't do enough. And I don't know if that's all on the coaching staff, how much of that is on the players, how much of that is on the roster construction, given what you mentioned about the lack of puck movers. I also, the big thing for me standing out with this Rangers team and why they aren't successful to go on a much deeper run is they don't have a shutdown component. They don't have any part of their team yeah. offensively that's really willing to play hard in their own end that I think separates them from some other teams, especially when you don't have a speed factor to be a game-breaking team through the neutral zone. You really have to win in your own end. And the Rangers haven't done that enough for two years now. The stress that they've put on uh, Igor Shesterkin, it's just too much. Uh, so we'll yeah, have plenty of time to break down, Mike, the, uh, the Rangers season, not to cut you off. Uh, we've got plenty of time in the next few weeks to digest it all, but uh, keep an eye out for Gerard Gallant and what may happen next in New York. Already rumblings, even before game seven, Mike, that Joel Quenville will be the next head coach of the New York Rangers. Pretty early to speculate on that, but uh, certainly something to keep in mind. Let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and Florida Panthers. The Leafs and Panthers coming off two totally different uh, feelings of emotion in round one. The Panthers pull off a huge upset game seven in overtime over the Boston Bruins, the best regular season team in NHL history. The Leafs break through with their first playoff series win since 2004, getting their first win in a closeout game in 12 tries. And the celebration that took place in Toronto, in their locker room, in their executive suite at the game it sort of felt like mission accomplished. I don't know what it felt like for you watching from afar, but for me, the biggest thing I think for the Leafs is gonna be how quickly they can turn this around and get back to work and put the focus on the wide open path that's in front of them. They've had that opportunity before. Think back to the Montreal Canadiens facing them in the first round in the shortened season. North division, you're like, hey, this is the path for the Leafs to go to the cup final or at least the conference final. And they're not able to get it done because they overlooked the team standing right in front of them, which in this case now is the Florida Panthers. I think the Leafs will be able to flip it real quick. Like, listen, anytime you want to win a playoff series, you have a right to celebrate because you've accomplished something. And that doesn't mean it goes on for three days, Frank. You have a couple beers in the locker room, you're excited about it, and then you go home and you're prepared for the next series. So I think Toronto will be able to turn the page. Just they're facing a red-hot team in the Panthers that are riding a massive wave of emotion on an upward trajectory. So, you know, there's a couple factors in this series I want to see play out. I want to see if the Leafs can shut down Matthew Kachuk. You look at that line of him, Bennett, Verhage, five on five, 
they were monsters all season long. They were against the Bruins. That series, they scored seven times compared to the Bruins twice at 5-on-5. So who's going to draw that matchup? Is it going to be Ryan O'Reilly? Is it going to be Tavares with Marner? I think I'd probably like that combination more if you're trying to shut down Matthews and also have your own scoring. So, um, you know, for me, the Leafs got better as the series went. Matthews scored five goals in the last four games. But here's the key for me. Goaltending, I think, has question marks on both sides, Frank. I don't know if you can trust Samsonov. I don't know if Bob's going to be able to be solid over a whole series. Keep an eye on special teams, though, man. The Panthers' penalty kill sucks. 59%, not good enough. And the Maple Leafs have been clocking along at almost 29% on the power play. So I think those are the two X factors I'm looking towards in this series. Some surprising news on the goaltending front. Alex Lyon was the first goalie off today for the Florida Panthers at their morning skate. So that could be an indication that Lyon is the guy starting game one, which is fascinating because Bobrovsky closed out the series really pretty quite well for the Florida Panthers, did he not? Yeah, I thought so, especially in game seven. And Bobrovsky won three straight games. So, you know, not to read too far into anything here, but it almost makes you wonder what's the health level, right? So I guess we'll see. Lyon was admirable. He went one and two in the first three games uh, of that series against Boston. Who you got winning the series? I got Toronto. Seven in games. All right. I got Toronto in six. I think uh, the Leafs are going to find a way. It's a very similar stylistic matchup, I think. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay to Florida. Both teams work hard, pressure, all those different types of things. It's not going to be a huge change. And I, I just can't think of one way – in which the Florida Panthers have an advantage over the Leafs. If anything, the goaltending's a wash, um, if not a slight Toronto advantage. The defense core, uh, I, I, I still give Toronto the edge um, if it's not a wash. And I think up front, it's certainly from a, a high skill perspective, Toronto mm-hmm. uh, takes the cake. So Florida's going to have to work for their advantages, and they may be able to create one by planting a seed of doubt with a game one win although that certainly didn't phase the Toronto Maple Leafs getting their doors blown off last round against the Tampa Bay Lightning in game one. Let's talk about the Seattle Kraken, a team that basically everyone counted out in the last round. They now travel to Dallas. I think they have a totally different feel and vibe uh, heading into this series. No one is going to be taking them for granted anymore, Mike. But more to the point, I, I think in some ways facing this Dallas team that is really playoff ready and you look at the holes in the abs lineup not just for injury but what they were missing last season and and also personal reasons for valerie nichushkin that especially if the dallas stars are getting joe pavelski back they're gonna have their hands full with the dallas stars they really are uh and that's part of it is not just the health but the overall play i mean we know the Kraken do everything by committee and you look at how strong even yanni gord was in the in the series uh, against the colorado avalanche really came to life you can see why he was so important with the tampa bay lightning the six points that he posted and the grit that he has but if you're playing without jared mccann top scorer without burkowski also major major component of the offense for the Kraken, can they continue to score by committee against us against a dallas team that frankly is really strong one, defensively, but two, they play fast. And three, they have really good goaltending in Jake Ottinger. And Ottinger's gotten better over the course of the series. So we have to remember that Colorado wasn't the same Colorado that won the Stanley Cup. They're missing Landeskog, Manson, Cogliano, Nachushkin, Helm. I mean, even Kel McCarr for a game. Well, I'm keeping my eyes in this series, not so much on the Stars' top line of Hints, Robertson, and maybe Pavelski if he's back. 
as much as I'm watching Miro Heiskanen, I think he's been the catalyst for this Stars team. Underrated. People may not appreciate the value of him. Six points in six Stanley Cup games so far this season. And he's he's plays every situation. He's leading the team in plus minus. Like that mobile decor is what you need. I think that might be add Stars, even though Seattle does – uh, have a pretty strong back end as well. So um, I think this is going to be a better series than people realize. Se- uh, Seattle's a thorn in everyone's side, but I still have Dallas in the end, and I have them taking it, I believe, in six games is what I said, Frank. Yeah, so I agree with you. I have Dallas in six. I don't think anyone is going to underestimate the Kraken anymore. I think the sum of their parts is way better than the collection of individual talent that they have. There's really no weaknesses. There's no superstars, but there's no spot in their lineup that you look at and say, wow, that's a clear area that the Dallas Stars can exploit. With that, if they continue to get the goaltending that they got from Philip Grubauer in round one, Dallas might not have an easy time either. And how does Dallas readjust? Can you continue, excuse me, to get the same production from Tyler Sagan that you got while he was in that top line spot as you bump him further down the lineup? That's going to be something for Dallas to consider as well. Yeah, and and I think, you know, as soon as Pavelski comes back in, it just gets that much deeper. And and they also made some smart moves at the deadline. Like, Dodonov's looked really good for the Stars, Frank. So, you know, you didn't necessarily have to go out and make big swings at the trade deadline. You had to get the you had to take the right swings, and I think so far that's paid off for the Stars. All right, let's dive into the uh, second round goalie matchups between these eight teams in this week's edition of the Blue Paint. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The blue paint this week is brought to you by Boston Pizza and powered by their new Fanalytics menu. Deep fried pickle wedges, pizza flights, beer mosas, just about everything you could want in a place to watch all the Stanley Cup playoff action. Head over to your local BPs for the new Fanalytics menu. Mike McKenna, time to dive into the eight second round goalie matchups. And when you look at this, or I should say four, um, when you take a look at the way these series are positioned. 
Uh, we just touched on Philip Grubauer and the Seattle Kraken. Can he outduel Jake Ottinger in this series? Is there any chance of that? Because I look at Jake Ottinger and I say, on a list of maybe five true difference makers that exist in the second round, Jake Ottinger is one for the Dallas Stars for me. Jake Ottinger is the reason why I picked the Dallas Stars to get out of the Eastern Conference and challenge for the Stanley Cup. I had him winning the Stanley Cup, okay? And I thought it was going to be Georgiev against Ottinger eventually. We're not seeing that. We're seeing Grubauer against Ottinger. Here's the thing for Grubauer. His first round series against Colorado was excellent. 926 save percentage, far ahead of the 895 save percentage he had in the regular season. But Grubauer played pretty well down the stretch for the Kraken. Made a lot of saves at the end of games to keep the team ahead. Um, and, and I think... Even against Dallas this year, Grubauer played well. He had a 919 save percentage, uh, has a 919 save percentage career against Dallas, and but even though he's two, four, and three against some lifetime. So I do think, though, that Grubauer was better against the Avalanche because he had course knowledge. That's his old team. But the Kraken also played defensively, played really well defensively. They allowed uh, 11 or less high danger chances in five of seven games in that series. So I think Grubauer. I don't know if he can outplay Ottinger, but I think he can keep pace with him better than most people expect because Ottinger's he's been top across the board, man. You look at how much better he gets in a series too, Frank. Like the first three games of the series against Minnesota, he allowed 10 goals. Final three games, he allowed just three. And he did the same thing the previous year against the Calgary Flames. This is a really intelligent goaltender in Ottinger that gets better over the course of the series. He's 2-0-1 against Seattle in regulation, 4-1-1 career, 2-0-1 this year but his 884 save percentage on Ottinger makes me a little bit nervous. Seattle can really turn it up when they need to five on five. All right, let's talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Lauren Brassois able to get through uh, round one against his former team in the Winnipeg Jets, but totally different matchup this time around in terms of firepower. He's going to have his hands full with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and company, especially without really the same sort of shutdown component that the LA Kings had to their game. Can Brassois slow down or stop McDavid and Dreisaitl? That's a great question, and that's the big one, right? It's he's Here's the thing. Here's how you can give some hope for Vegas Golden Knights fans. Not that they need a ton. Vegas has been good. But Brassois has a 922 save percentage against his former team, the Edmonton Oilers. So there's a little bit for you. He had a 915 save percentage in the last series against Winnipeg, who was outmanned against the Golden Knights. But I think there's been progression to Brassois' game even this year. He has better hip mobility after off-season surgery. I think he's been more vertically active. He's cut down on high goals under the bar, and he's played a lot of games. He played 23 games in the American League this year, five in the NHL. That's the most he's played in a season since 2018-19. So he's in a rhythm. Can he shut down the power play of the Oilers? That's a big question. I don't know if Brassois has the lateral mobility to get there and get his hands on pucks up high. And I think the Golden Knights are going to hurt if they're missing Braden McNabb for any of the series on D. It remains to be whether to be seen whether he plays. Um, but on the flip side, you look at Skinner, and Skinner's likely the goalie, I think, for, for the Oilers from here on out. Even though Jack Campbell hopped in the cage and played well in a relief effort, I have questions about Skinner. 890 save percentage against the Kings. He looks sluggish and indecisive at times. But this year against Vegas, he was 2-0-1. Problem is that his numbers against Vegas, a 359878. Those were some of Skinner's worst numbers statistically this season. So, Frank, I think this one's kind of uh, it's an interesting matchup because Brassois and Skinner, to me, these guys both have a lot to prove, Frank. Uh, and I think whichever goaltender turns into better performance is likely to get out of the series. 
Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you will look at the season series, a couple 7-4 games, it's bound to lead to some ugly numbers. Uh, let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. You were just talking about uh, the potentiality of Alex Lyon starting game one, which would be a bit of a surprise over Sergei mm-hmm. Bobrovsky injury news potential notwithstanding. So whoever it is in the Florida Panthers net against Ilya Samsonov, who really played a fantastic game six for the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and, and settled a lot of the fears that you had after that game five performance. When you look at Samsonov against the Panthers netminders as a collective, who has the edge? Uh, it's tough for me to say because Samsonov, you don't know what you're getting. Like he's not a crisp goaltender. He can be impatient and drop early. But then he can completely flip it around and play the game of his life in game series six to close it out against the Lightning. So that's just what you get with Ilya Samsonov is inconsistency. Um, so I'm not sure if he can hold on to it, if he can play as well as he did against Florida this season in the regular uh, portion of it. I think I think that the Leafs are in good shape. He was 2-0-1 against Florida, including his last start of the season was a 45 for 46 shot affair down in Florida. Pretty unbelievable. Um, and I like that Samsonov's also been strong in overtime this year. He stopped all 10 shots. So when the chips were down, Samsonov got it done. I'm going to ride on that, even though I still have reservations about him. And with the with the Panthers, though, the surprising part is I did not expect Lyon to be in the mix at all. I figured it was Bob's net from here on out, the $10 million man. Played one, three straight games for the Cats. Played really well in game seven. But even he's only been an 891 save percentage in four games. And Lyon was a little bit better statistically, even though he went one and two. So there is worry against Bobrovsky. He went 0-1-1 against Toronto this year, Frank. And he allowed five goals in both outings against the Maple Leafs. Interesting. Yeah, Alex Lyon, definitely a little bit surprised to see him in net for the Florida Panthers if that is the choice for game one that goalie battle is going to be interesting but perhaps not as interesting as the one in carolina anti ranta and frederick anderson as a collective against what appears to be akira schmidt's net and why not after shutting out the new york rangers in game seven schmidt's been one of the stories of the playoffs but given his sort of lack of experience i know you could point to his numbers in the regular season and say hey they were just as good in the regular season as they've been in the postseason he's the guy does that give them an edge over the Canes, though? Uh, I don't think goaltending is going to be the reason why this series is won or lost. I honestly don't think it matters who plays goalie for the Canes right now, and it didn't in the first round. I think that Anderson and Ranta are pretty much interchangeable, Frank. Like these two guys have both been clipping along a 905, 910 save percentage for most of the season. I think for Schmidt, uh, his, his bump for the Devils against the Rangers was real in that. The Rangers hadn't seen this six foot five imposing goaltender in the crease previously for the Devils. And I think he freaked him out a bit, man. Like the Rangers couldn't hit the net on the guy. And the only game that they managed to put any pucks into the upper half of the net, they won in game five. So I think the Hurricanes are going to scout that pretty heavy. I think Schmidt's obviously done a great job. And he is a big goaltender capable of making athletic saves with his hands. That's a rare combo. Uh, but this series, despite going into it thinking Schmidt's been a big reason for the Devils, and he was. I really don't think goaltending is going to matter much. I think it comes down to which one of these teams can break through and be able to beat the defensive pressure um, that they put on one another. Which one of these teams is going to win what should be an absolute track meet in the Eastern Conference second round? Thanks to Mike McKenna for this week's edition of the Blue Paint, powered by Boston Pizza's new Fanalytics menu.
Moving right along to our daily face-off inbox question of the day, hashtag AskDFO. You got a question, fire it into our YouTube chat. We'll see if we can answer it in the last minute before we wrap the show. Mike, the Jacob Chuba crushing hit on Timo Meyer in Game 7, one of those ones reminded me immediately of something Scott Stevens would have done on the New Jersey Devils blue line not so long ago. My question to you is this, and one that I posed on Twitter. We know that this hit is legal and clean, according to the NHL rulebook. My question is, with all the changes that we now know about in terms of head trauma realities, and also you see in other sports, the NFL, you can't hit a defenseless receiver. To play hockey, you actually have to look down at the puck in order to get it where it's going occasionally. Should this hit still be legal? I'm so torn. My head says no, because I know what this can do to players and what it's done to my friends, Frank. But my heart also says it's it's hockey and hitting is allowed and you're supposed to hit to separate the player from the puck. And it is a crushing hit, but he separates the player from the puck. So I'm so split. I think my head says that these type of hits really shouldn't be allowed because we know the damage that they can cause. But then again, if you look at the handshake line, Truba and Meyer are both standing there shaking hands with one another. And I think Meyer accepted his fate for having his head down while carrying the puck. So... It's a really wish-wash answer, Frank. I don't know how you can legislate it out when checking is allowed, but I would like to see the head contact taken out of the game. Of course you could take it out. Can't hit a defenseless player like that. Someone that has their head down, you can't do it. Um, I guess my That's question is to what keep everybody from end? keeping their head down at all the time, though. You know? Like, well, it's a but, fast game. You know that, too. So, uh, I don't know. But to what end, I guess, is my question. Like, so what? what is yeah. the advantage to keeping that hit in the game? There is none Advan because fans like violence. Yeah, exactly, man. It's a blood sport. I mean, <laughs> why just, Why is fighting never going to leave the game, Frank? Because just, Okay, but just it, look at the poll. More people than not are saying they don't want to see this anymore. Almost 54%. Yeah. They're saying we're tired of seeing players have their brains scrambled. It's it's preventing new kids from coming in. It's preventing parents from wanting their kids to play the sport. It just seems unnecessary. And look, no snowflake here. Like I, I get the violence and the, the hard edge to the game. It's why we love it. But I just, we know too much now to allow this to continue. And by the way, total complete aside, I thought it was absolutely disgusting that Timo Meyer was on the bench and in uniform after that hit. That is an automatic concussion. You can see the way that he clutched his head immediately. There's all the telltale signs. You cannot tell me for millions of dollars that in the five minutes or seven minutes since that hit took place that you ruled that he doesn't have a concussion. No chance on earth. He, Let's get to yeah, our, He should have been shut down for the game. I agree. I, I don't care that they're winning the game or not. Get yourself in a suit, take a shower, and, and leave and go home. Uh, let's get to our daily face-off, Batano Daily Bets. Tyler Remchuk, what do you got? I got a couple of plays tonight. Frank, round two, I will say I'm going to miss the days of four NHL playoff games. The first round is just awesome from every angle. But uh, two plays tonight because we got two games on tap. So let's dig into it courtesy of Batano. The game starts now with Batano.ca. And I am riding with the over tonight between Florida and Toronto. The line is set at six and a half. But hey, I'm looking right now, Frank. I got him up on my screen. Last game, game seven, Panthers-Bruins, over. Game six, over. Game five, over. Game four, over. 
four straight overs for the Panthers. You look at the Leafs schedule as well. And I know the series was a little bit lower scoring towards the end, but early on, it was a very high scoring series. And I think that trend can, can continue for the Leafs. I'm going over six and a half between the Cats and Leafs in game one. And also, Usually I don't dabble in bets that pay out like this. Rupe hints to get a point though is minus 160 on Batano. And this line just isn't correct. You look at players like Matt Kachuk and Austin Matthews in the other series. They're not even on the board to pick up a point. They don't offer a price for it. This should be, for Hintz, set somewhere around minus 225 for him to pick up one point in this game, considering he averaged two points a game in round one. It's not great value, but I feel like it's a great spot. Rupe Hintz to grab a point at minus 160 is my second play, Frank. Way to go, Tyler. Can't wait to watch that. Uh, like the value on Rupe Hintz. Maybe one of the MVPs of round one certainly would be in that discussion. Let's get to Mike McKenna to close out today's show quickly with Garbage Time. What's caught your attention, Mike? Uh, it's just pretty amazing for me to see that Boston and New York Rangers, two teams that went all in at the trade deadline. You know, even Tampa giving up five draft picks for Tanner Jeannot, even though it's a longer play. They're both out. And Frank, teams that largely stood pat or just added small pieces to the puzzle, like the Stars, like the Golden Knights, go down the list. They're still in it. All the hopes on all those all-in teams, it's all on the Toronto Maple Leafs, Frank, because they're the one team left that really shook up their roster at the trade deadline. I can't help but agree. Statistically, the teams that swing biggest tend to not go on the deepest runs. And uh, interesting to point out from the Tampa Bay perspective, some news today, Tanner Janot played through that first round series with a high ankle sprain. So lots of that injury news from round one beginning to seep out. Mike, that'll do it for today's edition of Daily Faceoff Live. We'll be back 12 noon Eastern on Wednesday to recap the first night of round two. Enjoy it, everyone. 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.